And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's edition of the Ninth State Sports Show. I am your host, uh, Joe Marcellina, and we are here tonight to wrap up the NHIAA football season. Uh, joining me today is uh, Roger Brown from the Union Leader and New Hampshire Football Report, uh, NewHampshireFootballReport.com. Roger, thanks for uh, making the trek out to Nashua, joining me at Riverside Barbecue tonight. No problem, Joe. Looking forward to some food. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, what your first time in here since they finished the renovations. Good looking uh, place. We were, yeah, we were sure. here what uh, three months ago, uh, over in the corner on the other side. You know, looking at a plastic sheet on the wall. Yeah, so I think uh, that's the night that I predicted uh, Plymouth and Stevens would win course, it in Division yeah, yeah. Two and Three. Yeah, uh, yeah. So as, as you just alluded to, we're going to talk about uh, last Saturday's championship games. Uh, of course, Bedford, Plymouth, and Stevens winning the uh, Division One, Two, II, and Three championships respectively. Um, you know, let's go in the order of the games. Let's start with Division Three. Uh, you know, I had a couple people ask me afterwards, and I and someone probably asked you at some point, uh, so did you expect that? You know, did you expect Stevens to come in and beat a team, Interlakes Moltenboro team, that it had lost to 57-12 to 12 during the regular season, beat them by 26? No, I didn't. Um, I can remember doing the previews this year for the union leader, and Stevens was going to be, you know, the team that I featured, focused on, and I called Paul Silva, uh, Stevens' head coach, and I remember him, the first thing he said to me is, you know, we're going to be good, but we're not nearly as good as people think we're going to be. So I kind of shied away from that. And, you know, he looked like he was going to be right for a little while there with the way uh, Monadnock was tearing through Division III. Um, so I knew they were going to be good. I figured, I think I picked 28-26 in the championship. I thought it would be close, but it's, it's hard to ignore that. 57 to 12 score right yeah you know when you're when you're making picks um even though i know everything went you know in favor of interlakes multiborough that day with the turnovers and whatnot um so and to win by that margin certainly no i i couldn't have say i was expecting anything close to that right you know and and, and especially the way the game started with with each team scoring on its opening possession um you know, I kind of expected it to be a bit of a, sh not necessarily a shootout, but we got that on the first drive and then the last drive of the, the half. Kind of expected it to go the same way in the second half. And really it was that third quarter where Stevens just kind of, you know, they had momentum and just never let it go. Yeah, and the one thing was uh, Stevens allowed very few points in the second half this year. I think it was 46 coming into that game. Uh, so I don't know if they made changes or what they did. I know... You know, they, they did blitz a lot Saturday, but I also noticed they had – I've never seen this before. They dropped 10 players into coverage right. and just had their nose guard rushing the passer at, at times. So I don't know if they changed things up or what they did or if they just played better defense in the second half. But, um, you know, it was a great defensive effort, and, and the offense was rolling. Um, and, I, I, you know, I mentioned to a couple people, Mike Bellavo in, in particular – I just thought the talent level in that game was much better than I'd right. seen in yes. D3 games Very, in previous yeah. years. And that's not to you know, diminish what the other D3 teams has, have done. It's just that I was really impressed with both of those teams. Even Interlakes, you could tell it wasn't their day, but they had some great players. Um, and if you just walked in there not knowing, I think I said, you know, you might have thought it was two D, pretty right. good D2 two teams yeah. going at yeah. it. So I, I'd, I'd say either one of those teams could have played the other, the Division Two teams. I mean, it would have been a competitive game. I mean, they, they looked like they just had the size and the athletic ability. Like you said, not to take anything away from other you know past teams, but they just looked bigger to me. They I did look bigger. 
and their skill guys were terrific. Right. Um, boy, that Parker Smith, the wide receiver for Stevens, I stood next to him on the field. He's a tall, thick, good-looking athlete, um, put up big numbers, very difficult to defend. You know, Richard Bell I was very impressed with, yeah. their running back. And, uh, you know, the quarterback is only 15 years old, Henry Bork. That's, so That's remarkable. Um, and I he mean, didn't he didn't look like a sophomore no, out there. You no, know? to think that he's going to be back for, for two more years. I mean, we could be talking about him in two years the same way we've been talking about some of these other seniors in Division One and Two this year, uh, yeah. I, I think. And, and, you know, Interlakes, too. Ryan Kelly, their quarterback, was terrific. I, I know he's got a chance to make the Chad game or, you know, he's at least, you know, up for consideration and – you don't see a lot of D3 guys get serious consideration for that. And uh, Andrew Brothers, you know, we knew he was very good coming in. And, you know, I was impressed with him and their tight ends, Swanson. Right. Yeah, some of their receivers were, were pretty big size. Yeah, yeah, big physical kids. Um, just, you know, didn't look like the D3 teams I've seen in the past. That's all. You know, um, that one I kind of felt like, uh, you know, the, when Stevens scored, responded with that first touchdown and then went for two, it almost felt to me like that really took a lot out of Interlakes. Like, you know, there really wasn't – they both score on their drive. Defense is maybe getting settled in. The offense is clicking right away. But you're losing, you know. By, I mean, it's just a point, but you're still you, – it's a little demoralizing, I thought. Yeah, you and get – you hit them, and then they hit hard, yeah. hit you harder, right, you know, in right. the return fire. Um, and I just thought that set the tone for Stevens, too. Yeah. They certainly came in – that regular season result, you know, didn't phase them a bit. Clearly, they looked like a confident bunch when they showed up, and you could tell how much it meant to them. I mean, it's always emotional after a, a championship for any team, but those Stevens kids were right, extra yeah. emotional. Oh, yeah. Been a long time, and you could tell it meant a lot to them, and the, I'm sure the community. I hadn't realized not just. I mean, obviously, the last they hadn't won a football title since '68. But just in general, like any title in any sport since, what, 89? That's what I was told, 89, boys soccer, I think it was. And that's a pretty good sports, it's a great sports town. Yeah, yeah. You know, once upon a time when the enrollment uh, was was larger at the high school, they were, I'm told, terrific and across the board in sports. Hmm. So, um, you know, good for them. It's uh, that They were a good story. Yeah. Um, looking ahead uh, I think they have a, I mean, we, we talked about uh, Bork, the quarterback, uh, being back next year. Any chance that they're back there again? Yeah, I'd have to look at their roster. I know, you know, they're, they're losing, you know, their, their top-tier skill players. You know, Bell and Smith are gone. I'm not sure about the fullback O'Brien. I think he might have been a senior I think as well. So, yeah, bo- yeah, both of the O'Briens, so, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what they have coming up, but if you've got a good quarterback, that solves a lot of problems right off the yeah. bat. You know, you can – that's the first piece of the puzzle, and you fill in around that. So um, I'm sure they've got talent. You know, it's, it's uh, like I said, it's still a blue-collar, good sports town, and, you know, I'm sure they have players coming up that will, I don't know if they'll win a title, but make them competitive with Henry yeah. calling the shots. Yeah, I think in that division too, um, you know, with a handful of games that they'll probably have won you know, end of, the, end of the first quarter, end of the first yeah. half for sure. They should be able yeah. to put up points with him and outscore a lot of those teams, and then they'll probably be in some dogfights, and we'll see what their depth looks like, you know, in their tougher games. Uh, you know, another another obvious blue-collar um, blue sports town, like you were just saying, Plymouth. Um, and I think I, I know um, Mike and I, Mike Lockman and I talked about this last week. I saw you tweeted it too. They're the first team in this new format to win – 
two championships. So we've had of the twelve total champions, eleven different one, different programs have won. Which I think, on the you know, as a side note, kind of supports that this is working. Yeah, uh, the the three di- division format. It's not broken. It's yeah. Give it up, folks. Uh, you know, to um, it, it, it's been a it's been a program what that that's now won twenty four championships. Um, you know, first one since two thousand thirteen. Did did you think going into this year that that Plymouth we'd be talking about or we could be talking about them as as Division two champs? Yes, I did actually. I didn't I didn't know if they could get past Wyndham. That was the biggest issue. It, um. You know, everything I was told, um, you know, this was Plymouth was going to be back in business this year. Um, that was what I heard in preseason and from the coach and whatnot. And uh, I wasn't so sure of it when the season was going on. It got Things got confusing there in Division Two. You never knew from week to week really how good anybody was right, with, with some right. of the scores. But, I mean, I thought Plymouth was going to be much improved. Um they had some injuries too, you know, right off the bat. I know I forget his name, but they they lost an all-state lineman they, who never played. This some year. injuries. They had they had a ton of injuries. It sounded like. Yeah, during the season, but they 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 had this one even before the season started. So I thought that might derail them a little bit. And then you know you see they give up 42 points to John Stark, and then the next you know, couple of weeks later they only score six against Lebanon. So I really didn't know what was going on with them through the course of the season, but I I did have you know high hopes for them. Uh, when I, the season began, I can't say I expected them to win a title. I'm not going to go that far. I figured they'd be in the mix, but you know, Wyndham was such a strong favorite this year. I uh, got a little a list here. When I, I, I went up to Plymouth last week to talk to them uh, going into the game, and uh, of course, uh, Coach Chris Sanborn gave me a little list of, of the guys that they were missing. Uh, Chad Merrill. That's the guy. Uh, that's yeah. the guy. Yeah. Was all state lineman all year. Uh, Nolan Farina, who they lost, I think, midway through the year. Uh, Owen Brickley in that playoff game against St. Thomas. Both of those guys, oddly enough, out with broken collarbones. Yeah, well, I think uh, Owen got his injury. He said he was a diving, in, diving into the end zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Zach Osgood, who broke his leg in that John Stark game. I remember seeing that. Um, yeah, that was not pretty. Uh, he, you know, they took a, took a while to get him off the field after that play, and that seemed to hurt Plymouth uh, quite a bit. And uh, Sam Slaughter was hurt, you know, at, at various back. points. Um, in you know, in that game Saturday, we saw Garrett McComber leave for. Um, he said the first, large, yeah, the first play of the game, he got hit. Yeah, and, uh, he and, was and really didn't play much in that first half. Yeah, bothered him from um, that point forward. And then um, ah, his name's escaping me now. McGowan, uh, Connor McGowan, McGowan came yep. in, and he ended up getting hurt at the end of the game. Uh, just played well it, until yeah, he got hurt. Yeah. Very well. Just remarkable that that a, 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 I mean, usually, it's it's schools like Bedford and Pinkerton and Exeter that are withstanding those kind of injuries. A school the size of Plymouth doesn't usually reload in the middle of a season like that. But and then I, I guess when you have a player is uh, you know that you can turn to and give the ball to 40 times a game it certainly helps yeah he's the real deal i was that's the first time i had seen him in person and uh definitely as advertised uh make homer i'm talking about um you know just keep riding that horse and uh it turns out he makes the big play in the passing game too for yeah. them you know or, or at least the catch for them but i even watched him on defense when he was in there and he's just terrific defensive end crashing down and um such a good player and looking forward to watching him next year too. He is he's uh, solid too. You know, you're talking about uh Parker Smith from Stevens being a, a well-built killed kid. Uh Garrett Maycomber is is Yeah, you don't want <laughs> you don't want to run into no, him and you don't I want him not. running into you. No. Uh 
and to think he's got another year to go um, is kind of frightening, I think, for the rest of the division. I, I look at him like I looked at – kind of like I looked at Victor Pizzotti last year. I just remember, even though they lost to St. Thomas, I just thought he was the dominant player on the field two years ago in the D2 title game, uh, you know, the uh, fullback for Wyndham. And, you know, I'm feeling that way about Maycomber. I'm just feeling sorry for people who got to tackle him next year. You know, going to be a tough task. You know, I would not have um – I asked you this, I'll be fair and answer it myself. I would not have guessed that the championship game would have been Plymouth and Bow. I thought Plymouth had a chance to, to maybe get there. Um, even, you know, with when the playoffs came or the uh, seeding came out and we saw that they, they'd have a potential matchup with Wyndham in the semifinals. I, you know, I'll be honest, I had no idea that Bow was, was going to, you know, make it this far. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to overstate it. When, Plymouth was about to play Wyndham with their injuries. I ruled them out at that point. I, yeah. I didn't. That was a stunner to me that they won that game. Bo, total surprise to me. I, the last time I saw them, um, they were getting beat pretty, pretty soundly by Winnesquam yeah. in the regular season last year. But of course, they went on to lose. Newport was very good last season, but they lost forty-seven to seven in Newport in the playoffs. Um, so I just didn't see – I figured they would compete okay in Division Two. I know it's a good program, uh, good staff, good talent across the board, but I just uh, – I didn't see this coming. And and one of the things that I took away from Saturday was how impressed I was with Bo. Yeah. Just across the board, good. Offense, defense, passing game, running game. Um, you know, several players, very talented quarterback was good. Nate Alford, the tight end was good. Uh, Corvo. Yeah. Um, just – you know, I can't say enough about how how much I thought of them in that game. But you know, we're talking about about kids that are you know huge and monsters on the field. Nate Nate Alford is if he doesn't end up going to play somewhere, you know, at any level next year, I'd be I'd be shocked. I think he's if nothing else, just because of his size. Yeah, and he can certainly put on weight, which yeah. is what they look for. A lot of those those big you know college coaches, if you got a big frame and they can uh, put extra weight on you and project what you're going to look like three years down the road um so yeah he's a I, w- I would agree with you there you know and and i'd heard you know leading up to that game and and through the playoffs that just how much of a running team Bo was you know that that that's what that was that game was going to be a pretty quick one because both teams were going to come out and run the ball and then Bo comes out and starts throwing the ball and and throwing it well yeah they look very good throwing the ball um when i saw harkins last year in that winnesquam game he could throw but he looked he looked like the young quarterback that he was um you know, and it, it certainly didn't look like moving the ball through the air was going to come easy to them, but he looked like a completely different player Saturday, I thought. Just, you know, if it was third and ten, plenty of confidence that he was going to be able to throw the ball and get a first down if needed. Now, do you, is he back next year? or is I think he is. I, I can't I, say for sure, I um, but I thought, I thought they moved him in midway through last year and he was a sophomore, but I could be wrong about that. They do lose, I think, a good amount of, of – some of those skill guys at least but I think he's the one that's that's back um, for and, another year and Bo strikes me I, I don't know about how they're doing the junior varsity or whatnot but they they kind of strike me as sort of like Wyndham where they're just going to reload every yeah. year to a certain extent yeah. and have plenty of kids and talent in each class so I wouldn't expect them to go away yeah. um, one thing I would like to and I think this maybe this leads into why we were sitting here wondering during the season what they were going to be like you know, because they didn't play Hanover during the regular season. Um, 
somebody else that they didn't play that I'm drawing a blank on that w I think was pretty good. Uh, uh, Bo didn't play Wyndham, did they? No, they didn't play Wyndham, but I know they didn't play Hanover. They didn't play someone else in their their conference. Um, you know, they crossed over with Hillsborough. Yeah, had a weaker you know, schedule they had for a, sure. Yeah. And I think some of that, you know, maybe led to, well, how good are they really going to be in the uh, playoff start? Which kind of leads me into getting a couple of teams out of this division. 22 teams is, I mean, if you can't play everybody in your conference, why? what's the point? Like, even having the crossover game, like, what's the point of that? There needs to be, I think, a little bit more commonality amongst opponents. Like, if you're going to have that setup, you know, bump, a bump two teams down and, you know, make it a... Uh, an 18 team division down in division three and get rid of the crossover games there if you want to stay at eight games i think that would be ideal you know i know i've written about that in the past you know the perfect scenario would be 20 in d1 20 in d2 and 18 in d3 d3 teams a lot of them anyways like a bye so the bye week is not a problem for them and again you know it really bothers me when um you're fighting for playoff spots against an opponent that doesn't play the same schedule as right. you. It's just yeah. not fair. Yeah. This would solve that. Every you know, you could have the ten and ten or however you want to do it, but you know, you could be playing the same nine opponents and determining playoff spots that way if they just I don't know the two teams you'd move down. You know, I th I thought they would you know, Hillsborough would, would be a team they would allow to stay in D three for a year. Right. And then I don't know who the other one is. West. I, West, I think West perhaps, needs to, yeah. yeah. I mean it's if they're just going to be, you know, stuck on the enrollment figures, you know, who knows? But um, they've done stuff like that in the past. Though. I mean, they let Alvern move Al down to Division Three a sure. few years ago. Yep. Football and in hockey. Uh, I'm it would probably be good for for everybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. the programs. I, I, you know, it's not like West is going to go down there and steal a championship. I don't think. No. Um, and maybe maybe it would help them get get the program back on their feet because it wasn't that long ago. I know a lot of things have changed, but when Travis Cody was there the tail end they were they were really good yeah in division one well they they also still had two classes of bedford kids yes coming I, through yeah there. i, I yeah. know it's just i guess what i'm saying is they've fallen so far i don't expect them to get back to where they were but a couple notches higher i think is possible, possible if, yeah. if you just give them some relief maybe yeah um speaking of bedford of course the division one champs uh, i figured going into that one um that was going to be a low scoring close game i didn't expect it to be seven to nothing though i mean that was that was a bit of an uh, a surprise i think yeah i would say all the credit in the world to bedford first of all i mean just terrific wire to wire undefeated uh earned it no doubt about it um but it's amazing how exeter can turn those games into those their type of game yeah, yeah. you know they did almost everything they needed to do to give themselves a chance to win um you could tell it was, you know, I would say I've been covering Exeter football for a long time. And, yeah, I don't, I don't mean this as a negative, but that certainly wasn't the most talented Exeter bunch I've ever seen. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is I think they squeezed the most talent out of their ability. They, and the staff did everything it could just to, to get them there. Yeah, the last two years I think they've probably been maybe exceeded expectations. Yeah, and, and that's a credit to them, really. Yeah. I don't mean that as a knock. Um but it was just, you know, they had the quarterback, Kyle Ball, and they really didn't have anything else to go with them offensively in terms of big play threats. Right. And it was just such a struggle uh, for them to get first downs um, against a really 
terrific Bedford defense. And yet still they played so well defense as well as Bedford played on defense. Exeter was right there was with them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was the one mistake where they bid on a run fake and, you know, got burnt by a pass play. Otherwise they could still be out there playing zero zero. But it was looking to me like I'm thinking, geez, if Exeter can just hang in there a little longer, they might kick a field goal and win this one three to nothing at some point. You um, wonder if, if they look back because they had those they had those two series in the first half where they went for it on fourth down maybe not in you know high school field goal range but I think inside the 30 on both of them um, didn't get and turn the ball over on downs and then that first drive of the second half after Bedford had scored they throw the pick you know near the goal line I don't think that was on fourth that might maybe it might have been fourth down I'm not I'm not yeah because I think I I remember saying to myself that was like a punt right you know maybe I'm pretty sure it was a fourth down um but, I mean, you look at some of those, uh, and they had a pretty good kicker. Uh, yeah, good kicker. Not yeah. not great distance-wise from what I'm told, but very accurate. Jake Gould, soccer player. Um, you know, they just they just couldn't run any of the plays that are big plays for Exeter. You know, like Ball, they clearly were keying on him. You know, fake, fake, let the quarterback get to the corner. That's a big play for Exeter. And they he couldn't get to the outside you know, other than a couple of plays in the first half. They didn't look like they had really anybody with any speed to throw it to. Um, you know, we were sitting there with Justin Huff, at, and they didn't run the fullback toss, which is a, a play that, you know, I've seen them use against Bedford in the past with success. It just didn't look like they had the guys with the speed that could get to the outside, and they were just, you know, relying on – they were – even for Exeter, they were ultra-conservative in that game yeah. offensively. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, and we're – I think used to Bedford teams having, you know, those explosive guys on offense. And not to say that they didn't this year, but, you know, you've got Nick Leahy coming off the knee injury, not as explosive as he was, you know, a year ago. That kind of has a bit of a domino effect, I think. Um, you know, you can then, when, when Connor Robert tries to run, it's maybe not as successful as because they're not as worried about Leahy's speed. Um, you know, maybe that then affects how they're able to throw the ball as well. They didn't really have that kind of speed receiver either. They could, or you know, they weren't able to get the the ball to those guys as consistently. I think. So you really look at it, and it's that defense. And and you know, I think we talked about it after the game with with um, Derek Stank was that just there wasn't any one guy on the defense. Yeah, it was, that it was eleven. The there was really uh, whenever they needed a play, whoever was in position to make the big play made the big play. Yeah, it seemed like you you said you know, boy, that guy's. Like you said, this guy's making plays, you know, in one game, and then you go to another game, and it's Lagerquist or Spencer Adams or you know Sharuk or whoever. Uh, anybody could really rise up and make the the big play that they needed at, at any time. Um, I really, you know, you mentioned their lack of running game, and Leahy was terrific though on that first drive in the third quarter when they really needed. Yeah, him he was. He was. Exeter was. Uh, really stuffing their run game. They were doing their run fits, and they weren't getting anything. And I think uh, Leahy had 14 yards at halftime, if I remember correctly. Right, 14, and then and then had 100 and over 100 in the second half. Yeah, 56 yeah. on that drive, I believe. Uh, and without that, you know, they're not really in position to throw that pass for a no. touchdown. Um, and it's not just Nick. I know it's, a, it's the whole team, but, um, you know, that drive right there where they really put things together when they needed it, um, it was good to see Nick. You know, be a big part of that because he has such a hard road to recovery and whatnot this year. Yeah, I mean, it's a remarkable story to think that a guy has that severe of a knee injury in late February, early March. 
suited and up he game was, one. He was back, yeah, he played in the Jamboree in, yep. in, at the end of August. I mean, just, you know, I, I don't even know how that happens. It's, I, I don't either. Yeah. Certainly not me going to be doing <laughs> that, you know. I'd still be on the couch with my my leg up. I'd, yeah, I'd probably never play sports again yeah. if that were me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was it was good to see. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I thought – if you look at the numbers, I, I really thought Exeter, where they might struggle, is uh, with Bedford's passing game. But I think Connor Robert ended with 66 yards passing. You, you look at the numbers and you say, they geez, I think Exeter wins this yeah, game. Yeah. You know, um, but Bedford's defense was that good. You yeah, know, I they, mean, they, held them, they held them under 50 yards in the second half. Other yeah. than that first drive, they really didn't do much on offense. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing that's a credit to Bedford. Exeter's usually probing. And they're they're finding things, your weaknesses, and things they can prey on as the game goes on. But Bedford seemed to, you know, tighten up as the game went on. And it was harder for Exeter to move the ball the later stages of the game and this uh, on Saturday. And you know, um, just kind of thought of this too was for how long Bedford's defense was on the field in the first half. I think Exeter had the ball for over 16 minutes. Yeah, big in edge in time half. of possession. Yeah. yeah. So so to kind of. You know, be able to get that break in the second half or at, at halftime, and then have Bedford go on that long drive to start, kind of a, a, a welcome break, at probably there to, to kind of recharge, refresh and have the rest of the half that they did. Yeah, because it was that first half was, geez, if you're Exeter, you know, other than putting points on the scoreboard, everything went their way. I thought, yeah, you know, they they were defending uh, Bedford well, moving it just enough. You know, they were between the. 30s I think it was they right. were moving it they were bogging down a little bit but they were they were getting first downs and um, you know I wasn't too confident that uh, Exeter had a real strong chance to win that game going in but at halftime I you know I thought they were in pretty good shape for sure yeah. uh, so is Bedford is it are we gonna sit back and see this game again next year or what do you think in division one is uh, maybe the team to beat in 2017 I think it's Goffstown for sure <laughs> No uh, doubt about it. Um, yeah, I'm sure Bedford's going to be there. Uh, Robert's a terrific quarterback. Uh, Shabrick is back, back, I believe. Yeah. I'm um, sure they got lots of other kids. Their other running back, Tierney's back uh, for another year, I believe. Um, well, and I'm sure they got kids we don't even know their names that are really good that are going to be in there playing. Yeah. Um, I think South's going to be good. Yeah. You know, Nashville South's a team. I'm told that... Next year is supposed to be Exeter's best year of the three. You know, they have – they're going to be huge next year up front. I know yeah. that line-wise. And I guess the skill kids are in the, you know, the sophomore class right now. And they have – you know, a lot of people are probably familiar with Cody Morissette, uh, basketball, baseball player going to BC. He'll probably move into the quarterback's position, so yeah. they'll be okay there. They have a really good athlete. So um, – I would expect them to be back in the mix as well. Yeah, uh, I think Salem is a team that kind of intrigues me too with what they've got oh, coming yeah. back. They got yeah. a lot of a lot of skill guys back, uh, and they they seem to be. You, you just got to pencil them in as a playoff team almost every year now at this point. Yeah, and uh, you know the obvious Pinkerton. You know a lot of young kids this year. Mm-hmm. Um, can't expect them to be down for two years no, in a row. No, kind of. Maybe even a bit of a revenge tour next year for them too. To, yeah, know, it could yeah. be ugly lining up against some, them next yeah, year, in or some at least games. in a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it should be interesting next year. You any know? any thoughts on you know? I was just looking to see when um, when they're going to be doing all of the Gatorade awards, and of course they'll be all state 
all conference teams coming out soon. Any thoughts on um, who might end up, you know, getting that being the player of the year in, in the state this year? That's a good question. Um, I did get contacted by them a while back, and they had a list. Um, I do know um, Pizzotti was getting strong consideration. Uh, Maycomber was on their list. Um, some of the obvious guys that you might think of in Division One, I, I don't want to name any names, but guys that you might think would win the award were not on their list. Mm, that's interesting. Um, you know, because it's – I think they take a lot of factors. They take into, I think, who, you know, maybe not just what is done on the field, but some of the off-the-field stuff, the, um, you know, GPA. Certain and, GPA, yeah, right, yeah. right, things like that. Um, and I wish I could give you some more names of guys – um, that that was that were being considered, you know. You mentioned Leahy; he was the runner-up last year. Unfortunately, right. you know, just didn't have the same year because of the injury this season. Um, I think he might have been a favorite to win it if he hadn't been hurt. Still had a great year, but um, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure. The, this so isn't going to be one of those years where we wake up that morning and find that a. Uh, a prep school kid is uh, swooped in and, <laughs> and swiped the, uh, the that, award that, from a from That makes people kid. mad. Yeah. I know that really makes people mad. No, yeah. there was no prep school kids on, on the list that I saw. Um, I'm just drawing a blank on, on some of the other D1 players uh, who, were, who were on the list that I received. You know, I, I, I told them to look at the whole Merrimack offense, you know. Yeah. Uh, plenty of guys there to choose from. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think Connor Robert was another one so there's a lot to choose from this year really you know tough decision a lot of great players this year and uh if i feel like at least a good amount of them are coming back next year which is exciting there is and you know like eichmann from merrimack right as good as anybody in the state you know um a lot of these teams seem to have that real real good player coming back it's just are they going to be able to but what goes around them? put stuff yeah. around them yeah. you know see how good they are yeah all right, and, well, and of course, Goffstown will be loaded. Be, yeah, there'll be another another playoff year, uh, no doubt. At least yeah. the only way they won't win it next year, I think, is if the coaches screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to just about wrap it up for us here. Um, I want to thank Roger for coming out and joining me uh, again at Riverside Barbecue in Nashua. Uh, I want to thank all of you for listening throughout the football season. Of course, this will be our our last football show of the year. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks to do some basketball talk. Uh, but for now, uh, for, again, for Roger Brown of New Union Leader and New Hampshire Football Report, I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks for listening.